wheel of time turns and ages come and pass, leaving memories that become podcasts. Hello there, welcome to The Dragon Reread. We're rereading Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series of fantasy novels. I am Jeff Lake. I'm Alice Sullivan. And I'm Micah Spartan. Today we're going to cover chapters 3 through 7 of The Shadow Rising, book 4 of The Wheel of Time. Previously, men had some horror movie style visions. Uh, we found out that Sean Chen are back in town and the White Cloaks are taking a tour of Two Rivers. Probably not great news for Two Rivers. Uh, speaking of the Two Rivers, the Two Rivers Tavaren each fend off an attack by something, from something they kind of don't like a little bit, like Perrin's axe, Matt's playing cards, and Brand a woman. I mean, himself. I don't know. You're right. Matt doesn't like playing cards. He doesn't. He was sitting there thinking about how I wish I was dicing. Yeah. And then the playing card stabbed him in the hand. But Rand was attacked by his own reflection, so that doesn't mean he doesn't like himself. He doesn't like himself. I think that's probably pretty accurate. He hates, like, parts of himself, right? Sure. Yeah, that's true. Oh, man. No, that was good insight. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I'm very insightful, actually. (laughs) Most people don't know that about me. (laughs) So, chapter three, Reflections, with the icon of the dragon's fang. And uh, I see what he did there. Reflections, because like Rand had the had a problem with the reflections. So it's a reflection, but he's also reflecting. He's reflecting on the reflections. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or the reflections are reflecting on him. So Perrin and Fael head to Rand because they think he's responsible for the axe fight they just had, where and, they fought the axe. And apparently Perrin's still a little angsty about his powers. I forgot about that. You know. But, oh yeah, he's like not letting people see his awesome yellow eyes. And, oh, I hope she doesn't find out about my awesome superpowers. <laughs> She'll probably stop loving me if she I, finds out how I cool thought, I am. I thought she knew about his awesome superpowers. I I kind of think that he makes a bit, a point of what, about not talking about it or something. But well, it says here that even Fael seemed to assume the color was part of his association with an Aes Sedai, something that simply was to be accepted but never explained, which doesn't sound like her. You'd think that she'd be questioning him about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Especially since they've been doing nothing but hanging out and maybe porking for the last three weeks or so. Yeah, exactly. I mean, she's probably spending a lot of time looking at those weird yellow eyes. <laughs> yeah. Never said anything? Never once? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Know. <laughs> Maybe they don't have that kind of relationship where they talk about, you know, yeah. things. This guy fucks like a wolf. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, what's a murder hole? A murder hole? Yeah. It's that's a real thing. That's it's uh they put them in castles. Usually you pour like boiling oil or Yeah, it's it's a hole in the ceiling where people standing up there can drop things down and kill people. Oh, okay. So they they put them in gates and hallways and stuff. All right, murder hole. Yeah, yeah. it goes with arrow slits. Yeah, they they didn't Whoever came up with that name wasn't uh, putting a whole lot of effort into it, I guess. <laughs> what should we call it? I don't know. It's a hole. We kill people. Uh, let's call it a murder hole. That sounds cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's true. So as they're walking through the the castle, like something's definitely up. There's lots of people awake and like running around. And Fael says something kind of oddly, like it's a really oddly specific explanation. Uh, she says, I'd say the guards are not supposed to be in this part of this stone when they're, unless they're on duty. It's a good time to cuddle a maid on a lord's chair and maybe pretend that the lord and lady, while the lord and lady are asleep. Probably worried that, <laughs> that you might report them. Just like, is that a thing? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, like, that's that's why all of these people are here. <laughs> <laughs> they're all having sex on the lord's furniture. My parents mean, like, well, you know, she has servants, so I'm sure she knows what she's talking about. <laughs> Stone of Tear slash Olympic Village. <laughs> They're just like all bony. Yeah, it, it makes sense that the soldiers are sneaking in to make time with the maids, you know, because they're all soldiers on base, right? Yeah. On duty. Yeah. I'd buy that. It's just like, <laughs> that's, a, that's a very specific. <laughs> yeah, I think Fayel might be projecting a little bit that's here. That's kind of the impression I got. You know? <laughs> maybe she's got a little, a, little, a little Lord fantasy, you know? Maybe she's tired of. Tired hey, of maybe she's, this is one of her hints. Yeah. <laughs> you need to have sex with me on this king chair. <laughs> it's called the throne. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> so before they get to Rand, they have an encounter with High Lord Torian, who I get the impression will pop up again, who is he's kind of standing outside Rand's room doing politics. And Jordan has kind of like a... <laughs> oh, his way of describing him is a little harsh, I think. It just like feels oddly personal. <laughs> He dabbed at a knobbly nose that appeared not at all large when compared with his ears. Uh, a fine silk coat with red satin cuffs that only exaggerated the plainness of his face. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Ouch. Come on, he does man. not like this guy. Yeah. This guy's doing politics. He's, I guess he, does he know that Berylaine is in Rand's room trying to bump uglies? I, I get the impression that he must. Uh, when I first read this, I was thinking maybe he is, in, is somehow like conspiring with Berylaine. Maybe he's like, you know. But when she comes out, he kind of gets angry with her. 
Yeah, exactly. Like the, it, it's it, it's as as if he. Well, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, he Torian also gives Fael the eye. Yeah, we get another one of those. He hit me, and it felt like a kiss moments, which irritates <laughs> the shit out of me. Uh, Perrin's getting all hot and bothered that Torian was checking her out, and she says, He's not the first man ever to look at me. If he found the nerve to try more, I could put him in his place with a frown and a glance. I do not need you to speak for me, Perrin Ibarra. Still, she did not sound entirely displeased. She likes uh, it that he's jealous. Yeah. 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 Hmm. This is not a good relationship. It's so, not a healthy relationship. Real, yeah, it's real bad. Yeah. Maybe because Fael sucks. <laughs> so... Perrin, I guess Fael doesn't go in with them, right? No, because she's she's saying, oh, you and Ren are going to have a lot to talk about. And Perrin's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. She's like, yeah, you oh, know what yeah, it is. Yeah, she's like, barely. And Perrin has no idea. Yeah, and she's she's obviously got the wrong idea. So she thinks that Perrin is going to go in there, presumably with a, a freshly boned Rand, right? Uh-huh. And they're just going to talk about... The sex that he just had. That is exactly what she's visiting head of state. Yes. I mean, that, that's not how guys act. I mean, you, there's a, you might call it a refractory period before you want to have a conversation. <laughs> <you know? laughs> I, I can't imagine, like, I don't think there's any situation where that would be the thing that I'd be talking to my friends about. But, but she's also kind of miffed at Perrin for looking at Verilane. Which he wasn't doing. He was actually he was, he was smelling like, her fear, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. she's afraid. So he's smelling her fear, but she thinks that he's... In this situation, having just fought an axe and going to meet with the the savior who's about to destroy the world or whatever, he's like checking out this head of state. He's like, no, no, I was checking her out. I was just sniffing her. Wait, I mean, <laughs> doesn't get better. Well, whatever. Vayil uh, always jumps to the wrong conclusion. Yeah. So Perrin heads in to see Rand, and he just walks past all the guards. Well, he... Everybody, everybody in this whole chapter walks past all the guards. <laughs> They're not very good guards. Yeah. The, well, I mean, the the... What are they called? The Aiel stop him, right? They attempt to stop him, and he does his classic parent move where he picks her up and moves her. Yeah, but but she's into it. Yeah, she's into it. Like I thought these I thought the the whole point of them was they stab people who try and get past them to get to Rand without being an invitation. Yeah. But he like he picks them up and then they're all like, Do you want to play Maiden's Kiss? We know what that means. Yeah. So dreamy. But he goes in and Rand's all bloody. Yep. Covered in blood from his reflection fight. And uh, he raises the alarm. And so all the all the people come a running, basically, including uh, Maureen and Lan. And I noticed that uh, Lan and Ruark had a real meat cute here. Oh, yeah. I know they had their <laughs> icy blue stares, nearly <laughs> struck sparks. You know, <laughs> yeah. I was like, ooh, they got a real thing. It was like the the Rock and uh, Vin Diesel in, in Fast and Furious movies. Right. Just mm-hmm. like you're just like waiting for him to kiss. Exactly like that. <laughs> so Maureen says that what caused all this. Ruckus was bubbles of Dark One energy or something? Yeah. The Dark One is escaping from the prison and they're like bubbles. of. Literally, believe, the word is bubbles. I thought she said it's a miasma. Yeah. yeah. Which bubbles up. Yeah. A bubbly right. miasma. Yeah, of, of like Dark One stuff that comes up and just makes bad stuff happen. Which is yeah. kind of horrible. I mean, like, what do you do about something like that? I guess the idea is that if the Dark One were to escape his prison, this is just like where it, what it would be like all the time everywhere. Yeah. It's, kind of horrifying i mean do you think robert jordan just like wanted to continue writing really fucked up scenes but he was like oh everybody's gonna be tired of me describing dreams weird ass dreams that rand has so i'm just gonna come up with another excuse for this really weird thing i think it is yeah it's like let's start this book off with a bang yeah these these crazy scenes that are really surprising Mm -hmm. and and again as we mentioned in the last episode there they're very cinematic, so they're they're interesting to read for sure. You know, you, you, it's very evocative kind of kind of scene. So maybe he just really wanted to tell that story. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. The explanation's a little silly, but it, it works. It felt a little weird, yeah. And so Maureen is is still trying to guide Rand into doing her thing because that's worked really, really well yeah, in the past absolutely. over the past three books, <laughs> right? But Rand is determined to surprise everybody. Mm-hmm. He's, he's pretty stubborn. I mean, she, at one point she tries to talk him out into sleeping in a place that's like, you know, a little less stabby, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and he's right. like, no, I want to sleep in my glassy bed. Uh, Chapter four. Strings. The icon of the loot. So Tom is hanging out in his room playing the great game. Yeah. Nice. Okay, so, so I was wondering about this. Like, why? Right? I mean, like, the, the great game is not something that is... 
done well for him. In fact, I believe it got his the woman he loved murdered, right? Sort of. His involvement in the great game. Yeah, yeah. it may have happened more than once, if I recall. Yeah, and, and so like he's in a place where the great game he's not in Kyrian. He's in a place where the great game is not like probably as prevalent, mm-hmm. but he's doing it anyway. Like what's to help this? Rand, you know. Is that what it is? Like is, is he? Yeah, that's what he's doing. He says it's he's looking out for Rand. He's being Rand's great game player, and that's why he's hanging out in the servants' quarter instead of hanging out with everybody else. Is because that way no one pays attention to him. Mm-hmm. I thought maybe he was just trying to start a civil war just to see if he could. Because <laughs> like I think he's yeah he's setting up like a fake affair between two lords or something like yeah and he's yeah. he's he's faking letters he's forging things just to mislead people I guess. But Matt comes to visit because Matt this is where Matt went. After uh, after his crazy attack buff cards, mm-hmm. yeah, this is kind of a a weird conversation. Like, it's clear Matt wants to leave, mm-hmm. and it's clear why he can't. You know, we know that there's this like Tavern thing happening, mm-hmm. but seeing it from Tom's perspective is interesting because he's very aware of what's happening, or he seems to have some idea of why, and he kind of talks to him a little bit and observes. This, this change. Right. He even says it to him. Like, you know, you're not going to leave. You keep saying this. You've been yeah. saying this for weeks. Mm-hmm. But why don't you sit down and play stones with me? Right, exactly. And then, even though Tom knows this is the situation, it happens to Tom, too. Like, he's sitting there playing stones, and all of a sudden he feels, like, comfortable. He's like, oh, okay, yeah. well, let's just do this. You're right. That does happen. He's like, why don't mm-hmm. I leave? That, I'm not connected to these people. And then he, then he sits there and plays stones. Yeah. yeah. I like that Matt's luck doesn't work on stones. Mm-hmm. It, it makes sense, right? Because yeah, exactly. So, so if it's a game of chance, Matt's great, and that's actually, I guess, why uh, cards are less effective than dice. Dice are pure chance. Cards have an element of skill, and stones is like there is no chance. It's all, mm-hmm. it's all. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I guess his luck can insert itself into non-chance situations in really like really obvious ways, <laughs> like when he's. I'm trying to remember what, like we, when the lightning. Flair showed him the place that he was looking for. Yeah, or uh, there was somebody who attacked him and like fought, fell on his own knife or something. I mean, like <laughs> those are those are pretty like obvious luck insertions. But but in a game like Stones, where there are there's very little chance. It seems like it has no effect. Right. Is, yeah. Even though I love that Matt is giving the reasons why he's staying. One of them is because there's a lot of gold to be made, and the other one is pussy. <laughs> That's right. What does he say? It's there's like, a big-eyed girl in the kitchens who likes a little kiss and tickle, and one of the... I don't know why I'm doing a southern accent for this, but I am. <laughs> and one of the maids has hair like silk to her waist, and the roundest... dot, dot, dot. The roundest what? Was I don't know if it was her butt or her boobs. Oh. Probably... But, but, yeah, it'd be weird to say she's got really round boobs. Yeah. I mean, that's a good thing for boobs to be, I suppose, in general. You wouldn't like be round. like, I, I prefer those boobs because they are rounder. <laughs> Maybe she had the roundest face. Maybe he likes a really circular face. Roundest hands. Maybe he yeah. likes circular hands. <laughs> 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 big pancake hands. Who <laughs> got hands like ping pong paddles. I love it. Can't, can't get enough. That's what I'm into. So a kiss and a tickle. I mean, like, surely that doesn't mean a kiss and a tickle, right? I mean, he's like... Does it? I'm not... I, I was it was unclear to me, is he actually closing escrow on these deals? Yeah. Right? I think he is. You think so? Yeah. Hey, does he did, did he have sex back in Emmons Field with people? I don't think so. I think it was different in Emmons Field, but I mean here he's they all in know like each other. He's in like the place where the, the guards and the maids are like porking constantly, right? I mean, on like, the High Lord and Ladies <laughs> tables I mean, and furniture. Fayel is when, to be believed. Yeah, when Fayel <laughs> says they're having a cuddle, I don't imagine she means cuddle. I mean or yeah, do they? I, I, I don't know. He doesn't say. I mean, he says cuddle. Like, cuddle's a different thing. I don't know. This is the thing. It, it's hard to tell because I think, for whatever reason, Jordan seems to avoid, like, sexuality. He, he it's, it's weird. He's, he's very overt about violence and, and gore and things like that. We'll describe those scenes. But he really seems to avoid any kind of, like, intimacy in terms of, like, physical yeah. stuff. I've always thought that that was because he's telling most of this stuff from the perspective of these Emmons Fielders who are prudes. Yeah. Because, like, you know, Barrelane was just about to have sex with Rand for political advantage, right? No, and no. Rand had, did not sure? understand, right? He didn't, yeah. He, well, I think he understood, but he, he clearly, like, felt super uncomfortable. I mean, mm-hmm. he, yeah. he, he was... Rap, he was having trouble wrapping his brain around. He was saying, but we're not married, you know, but, but I think he got the idea of what she was implying, you know? Yeah, so they, they know about it, right? They know the birds and the bees, but I think maybe these Emmons Fielders just always use euphemisms for it, you know? Yeah. 
So maybe there is, so maybe a tickle is a little more than a tickle and yeah, like, a cuddle is not like. Anyway, yeah, Matt gives this really weak excuse like Moraine's watching him, so that's why he's not going to leave, but it's unclear that she is and it's unclear that she could stop him if, if she wanted to, you know? But yeah, he decides to stay again and he still has these holes in his memory mm-hmm. and this is what's really bothering him. So, chapter five, Questioners, the icon of the Black Aja. So, Egwene and Nynaeve and Avienda are questioning the Black Aja prisoners. While, while they're, uh, b- before they get into the questioning, Egwene is musing about defriending an Aiel. It's kind of a, a weird side thought that she has. It's just, she's like, uh, oh, if she didn't, if she didn't think I was an Aes Sedai, then we could be friends, probably. Me and Avienda. It's just like, everyone wants to be friends with the Aiel. Aren't they kind of scary? Well, uh, yeah, but they're like, they're awesome, right? Yeah, these kick-ass women. They are pretty badass. And they're really, like, tall. Yeah. And, uh, like, if you'd, if you'd heard all these legends and things about them and thought there was this amazing race of warriors your entire life, and then you actually got to meet one and hang out, like, that'd be pretty cool. Do you think it gets older for the Aiel? You're like, yes, I get it. I'm an Aiel. You know, everyone's a, yeah, I know you want to hang out. It's, but, you know, I'm no, you busy. can't touch my hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All the microaggressions that the Aiel have to deal with every day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I'd for, I'd, I had actually forgotten at this point that they'd taken some Black Aja prisoners. It right. happened at the end of the a last of book, right? Uh, and it, it was, it was um, these were the guards that were outside of their cell. Is that right? Yes. Well, no, one of them was in with Kalidor, I think. One of them she caught in the Hall of the Servants with Kalidor. Ah, uh, okay. And the other one was the guard. Which and that one got stilled somehow. I don't remember that. Yeah, I was trying to remember. Did did Egwene do it by accident? I, I seem to remember something like that happening when she was in the dream world. Like she she saw like a thread or something and severed it maybe? Or maybe I'm misremembering. I thought she just shielded her and but then and then punched her out in the real world. It either happened in the dream world or was it one of Nynaeve's explosions? Oh. I don't remember. No, Nynaeve's explosion was the punch in the face. I remember that part. Yeah. She doesn't have to be angry to punch him in the face. Yeah, Africa yeah. face punch. The <laughs> best I said I smell. So, uh, as a side note, it, they make it clear that Nynaeve is wearing one of Lan's favorite colors on women. Yep. Because Lan apparently has favorite colors on women, and they somehow determined this. I, yeah, I was thinking about that too. Like, how do they? Is it just yeah. like, are they watching him and they're like watching what he watches? Who has a favorite color on women? This guy is married to the sword. He courts death like suitor courts a bride or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, how, how does they know what what his very specific preferences are? He, he's he's like a he. They they describe him as very stone like. I can't imagine he's like spending a lot of time ogling women, right? Yeah. Or like talking to Nynaeve about. His favorite colored dresses. <laughs> right? Where did yeah. this come from? Nynaeve, you'd be a whole lot prettier if you wore these three colors. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> know, right? So the, the Black Aja's they're interrogating, it's a little weird because these, what do these people know about interrogation? But whatever. Uh, they say, they say two different things. They say one, that the other Black Aja's are going to Tanchico for something that will bind Rand. Like an artifact or something? It's unclear. Mm-hmm. I looked at the map. You know where Tanchico is? Where? The other side of the damn world. <laughs> this whole book is going to be about them going back across the map to Tanchico. <laughs> That's what it's all about. Yeah. And the, they also say that the Black Aja plan to use the false dragon Mazarin Tame as a false real dragon. <laughs> to pretend to be Randall Thor mm-hmm. and go out and cause chaos and unite the nations against Rand. This is actually a pretty nefarious plot. This could, I could actually see something like this working. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, especially if if they're right about Mazram Tame's uh, ability at channeling. Like he could be, you know, a, a yeah, real threat. It's it's a little unclear to me why Mazram Tame would go along with this. Why would he say, no, my name is this other person, if he thinks he's the dragon? Well, I suppose they wouldn't have to. I mean, they need 13 Black Aja and oh, 13 right. Mirgo, right? up with another 13, another two Black Aja from these ones that... And there's probably not going to be anyone trying to help him out, so... Mm, it's true. And can we please talk about how horrifying it is that what they can do to the women? Like, Joya, they're, they're describing how she's being held by flows of air but she can't hear anything she can't move she can only look straight forward yeah so mm-hmm. like she's in a sensory deprivation thing going on there except whatever happens to go in front of her eyes yeah so this is worse than the being wall. A, they make her face the wall this is yeah. worse than being in a cage and also doesn't it is haven't they done studies where they put 
people in completely silent rooms, like completely silent, and they start having auditory hallucinations and stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think that happens in solitary confinement, too. Yeah. It's super messed up. Yeah. But these are black Asha, so we hate them. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Like, the idea of having these women, like, here in this room seems incredibly dangerous. I mean, yes, one of them is still, and one of them is, is shielded. Probably the one who's still this is not a problem, but the one who's shielded, I mean, like, it seems like it's just a, a matter of time before she finds a way around that, and she's they've just got her sitting there thinking to herself, you know? Right, yeah, when they brought in Loghain, remember, I think they had, what, 12 Aes Sedai yeah. sitting around him all the time, making sure that he, he didn't escape, mm-hmm. but these people are not even full Aes Sedai, really. Mm. So yeah, three, three accepted, albeit very powerful accepted, but people who surely don't know their way around the the power as much as Joya. But on the other hand, what can you do with them? I mean, like stilling seems pretty cruel, but I mean, like yeah, kill them. I mean, uh, they don't seem like they particularly want to go murdering people, but I mean that, that yeah, they're might be they're black Aja, right? That, that means they're pure evil. Can can I mean can you rehabilitate somebody? I don't know. We we haven't seen an instance of that except maybe. Um, What's his name? Ingtar. Ingtar is like the only person we've seen go, you know. But these people don't seem to have like secret honor that is going to force them to sacrifice themselves or whatever. These people seem to be straight up all the way in the bag for the Dark One. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Black Aja seems to be worse than like a standard Dark Friend. Yeah. Egwene and Nynaeve are still struggling for dominance. Uh, Still. I thought they would have fixed that up last book. But yeah. yeah, we, We learn a little bit about how stilling works. You know, you you steal someone, and they can't. They can still sense the power, but they can't touch it, and they wither away and die. But yeah, it's, it's pretty awful. It's interesting uh, that I think it's Avienda who notices that the stilling means that she no longer has the angel face of an I said I. That's something that I don't think we've heard before. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it seems to, that the, the channeling, channeling the one power is what does that to their face. Apparently. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, so before they can interrogate these people yet again, oh. Yeah, so Emiko Nagoyan, I guess is her name, is the, is like kind of, she's the one that got stilled and she's sort of defeated. Mm-hmm. But the other one is really evil. Yeah. Joya Bayer. They talk about how she's, uh, she's kind of manipulating them or like making, like, just, you, they can't tell yeah. if they're really in charge. She of. was white Aja, meaning she's completely, completely logical, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But she probably just would say she did the math and figured out the Dark One was going to win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, she's like manipulative, and they don't trust her, and it's it's creepy. They say she's she looks like a kindly old grandmother, except she has really mean eyes. Yeah, it's kind of a that's a creepy idea. So uh, Moraine enters, and she's mad. Yep, she sounds pissed. Chapter six: Doorways with the icon of the lion. Because this is an Elaine chapter. Which have we had one of those yet? I don't think we. If if so, only one because I, I like I can't think of. Him. I mean, I, he seems to cycle characters pretty regularly, mm-hmm. so I, I I'd be surprised if we hadn't had an Elaine chapter. But I sure can't think of one. Yeah, we don't get to know Elaine very well, except she thinks about her nursemaid a lot. Yeah, yeah. that's true. So Moraine is angry because Rand is being stubborn, which cl- you know <laughs> that's what he does. That's his yeah, thing. kind of thing. And, and we have like a classic naive line. She's talking about how two rivers breeds their men. The most stubborn because they don't. Two rivers are the best, and we make the most stubborn men in the world. But oh, two rivers women don't have any trouble handling. Them. <laughs> yeah. <But> okay. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Naive. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. I, I'm. I'm kind of over naive's constantly being a dipshit to Moraine. <laughs> it like it 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 doesn't feel like it makes much sense at this point. Yeah. I get it from the beginning, like in, in the in the early stages when she's like, okay, Moraine is manipulating these people, and like these are my this is my my tribe and I'm trying to take care of them. Like I get that. But at this point, Moraine is generally trying to help them, right? Yeah, and they're they're in on a lot of what Moraine knows. They're on the same side as Moraine, and they've got their own thing. They're not just like following Moraine around. I think she's still jealous though that Moraine has Lan as her warder and she doesn't she's yeah. jealous of that relationship. Yeah, that seems likely. Uh, but we do get an important recap. Uh 90's still got a white knuckle grip on her braid, so I don't know if Alex Yeah, I counted. There were three in this three. chapter, in yeah, three braid tucks. Yeah. Good, yeah. Add that to the total. Yeah, right. I think I think through the entire chapter, she's just like keeping an iron grip on her braid. Yeah, I don't think she ever lets it go. Maureen is shipping the Black Odges back to Tarvalon, which is good. They absolutely should do that. Yeah, uh, that's that's where they should be. But also, how? 
you have to have an Aes Sedai with them, right? I was wondering Basically, the same thing. To make sure they don't get out? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, one of them is still probably not a problem. But the other one, like, we know that Egwene's done some sort of, you know, trick where her her shield is tied off and therefore not needing maintenance. But at the same time, we don't know how reliable that is. And yeah, I certainly wouldn't trust it if you have a black Aja float down the river, right? Yeah. Right, exactly. So uh, maybe they drug them or something? It's unclear. Yeah. Or maybe they just send for Aes Sedai to come get them. Mm-hmm. But there's a whole thing where they have to convince the Aes Sedai that they are Black Ashra because the Aes Sedai don't even admit that they exist. Right. That's a good point. Yeah, when, and that's the whole reason that uh, Narnese Detective Agency exists because uh, Swan didn't want to reveal to everyone that the Black Ashra were around for real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That kind so of keeps me on the deal. This chapter is full of romance stuff with Elaine, Egwene, and Moraine. I know. Yeah, let's... You know, uh, there's all this horrible stuff that's going on. Let's talk about what's really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were all okay with Rand hooking up with whoever he wants to hook up Elaine, with. Yes, Egwene loves Rand, but like a brother. Yeah. Or maybe a little bit more than a brother, but whatever. She doesn't want to boff him anymore. Right. Which is interesting, because Rand was thinking the same thing uh, earlier, I believe. He was saying, you know, I, I don't really want to boff Egwene anymore, but I think she really wants it, you know? Yeah. It's, you know, this is... Kind of maybe the happiest thing that's happened in these books is that these people didn't get married. That's true. And they <laughs> yeah. were too young to make good decisions. They would have been really horrible for each other. But Elaine is committed to uh, being with Rand, even though he's doomed to go crazy and fight the last battle and so forth. And even though she's only met him like a handful of times, I believe she says, right? Which she real and yeah, she realizes that it's ridiculous, but yeah. we still don't get anything. Yeah. And even Maureen says, right? She says... Uh, that she implies that she knows the face of the man that she's going to marry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she she backtracks it on a little bit, but it really does seem like she's got like a a boy in mind, you know. And can we also ask about one of Linny's expressions? A weeping woman is like a bucket with no bottom. I don't know what that means. Useless. Useless? That's what it sounds like, right? Oh Maybe? shit! <laughs> I, wow. I know it sounds kind of still. It's the cold. only thing I can think. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that that is, is that, super. Cold. That's what you say to your kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like my nursemaid always used to tell me when I was five. Yeah. <laughs> if you cry, going? you're fucking useless. <laughs> yeah, you're wasting your time crying. <laughs> wow. Uh, you know, I've tried similar lines on my daughters, and they did not respond well. Really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. They neither increased nor decreased their level of crying. <laughs> so we find out what Moring's plan actually is, and I think as hinted at last chapter, her plan is for Rand to lead the Terrans to war with Ilion. Mm-hmm. And this, this is actually kind of cool, because in most books like this, Starting war is no big deal. Mm. You know, war just happens all the time, and we're reading these books because fantasy wars are awesome. Yeah. But they have a whole conversation about, like, how can you intentionally start a war? That's awful. You know, even if these people are like, even even we know that, and we're just from these crappy little town. So how can you do that? And then they, Elaine, who who is the political mind among them, has to explain it. Like, you know, this is, it, the war is coming anyway. The last battle is coming. This war might actually prevent other wars, so it's kind of the just war doctrine, which is just giving it a little lip service is unusual, I think, in the genre. I think it's particularly unusual from Jordan, considering, you know, as we know from his history, um, his, he's not he's not someone who seems to be, like, supportive of the idea of war. He, he, he seems to think of war as a, yeah. a thing of horror and darkness, mm-hmm. but, you know, he, he admits here that they're... I think he might buy the into the just war thing. You know, it would be the only justification he'd have for his experiences, right? Like, that's the rationale. Yeah. But uh, Rand is stubborn and resisting this plan. Yeah, the, the reason she wants to do this is because it, it checks some boxes in the prophecies. And she knows Samael is in Ilion, ruling it. So you can go there, kill him, get more armies for Rand. Uh, you know, if, regardless of this last battle stuff, this is, you know, a good political move. Yeah, hearing hearing them des- de- describe their, their plan, this... This seems like a solid move. I mean, they're talking about uh, uniting Tyr and Ilion under the dragon. And then as a result of that, there's going to be these other two factions. It's, um, so Terabon and Radomen would, would then join them. And all of a sudden they have, like, in one in one battle, albeit like a really nasty one, yeah. they have a coalition that's essentially unstoppable at that point. Right. If it works. It's a pretty yeah. solid game of games. Yeah. Uh, which we, you know, Maureen grew up in... Kyrian. Kyrian, so she knows the game, right? Yeah. Um, 
And Moraine also gives us some information about a particular Terra Angriol that answers three questions. Yeah, this is this is this is it's like a genie. Yeah, but if, if Rand doesn't act, she's she's like, I'm just gonna have to walk through this twisted doorway. Yeah, and but it's it's really dangerous, which is why she hasn't done it yet. And there's all sorts of weird rules, and no one knows exactly how it works. So, Some of these are really, I mean, like the the idea that if you ask a question that touches the shadow, then then you're hosed. I mean, that's, yeah, that's whoa, hard to avoid that's, with that's what they're serious, doing, right? Yeah, serious limitation. Yeah, um, and so you know, I don't know. We'll see if that Terangriol comes up again. It, but Moraine leaves, and then we get a lot more girl talk between Elaine. And Egwene. Yeah. It's kind of a fun side note, though. Over uh, iced wine. Yeah, the thing about ice. I was like, it, it makes perfect sense, but but apparently the only way to get ice is to have it shipped in these you know crates with uh, sawdust from the spine of the world. Yeah, from the mountains. Yeah, that's true. That's how they get used to get ice in the old days. It was very expensive. But can't ice and I make ice? I think that we actually get into that a little bit okay. in the next chapter. I see. Oh, okay. But this this. I mean, I see what he's going for. I, I don't know. Yeah, it is super cringy, the the little girl stuff. There's a really gross one um, where Egwene tells Elaine that she loves Rand like a brother and you like a sister. Elaine's eyes widened, a, spi- a smile spreading slowly across her face. She answered Egwene's hug with a fierce hug of her own. Thank you, she murmured softly. I love you too, sister. Oh, thank you. Okay, and and let me... Let oh, me... and then Egwene asks Moraine if she's ever been in love. Because <laughs> that's what we need to talk about. This, and yeah. what's weird about this is it's like, is in the middle of Moraine, like, berating them about something. And then, like... It's yeah, like... and the Black Aja are still there, right? Yes, the Black Aja are still there. And and possibly even listening, right? Because I think that the Black Aja have been... Like, Moraine undid their binding so she could tell them about being shipped off. Mm-hmm. So they're just sitting there, apparently, listening to this conversation. Yeah, now they're wishing for death. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, could you stop my ears up and turn me into a wall again, please? <laughs> but, like, so Moraine's berating them, and it, it says something like, Egwene stopped listening and turned to Elaine and cupped a hand and said, you know, what the whole thing about Rand. Yeah. And I was like... It, so Moraine is like watching this happen while she's, you know, chewing them out for something. <laughs> Who's she talking to Robert Jordan cannot write women well. That's just it. That's it. The, every time that he has, do you think he writes them worse than he writes men? I mean, do you think because when men talk about, I think maybe he just doesn't write relationship talk well. Because when men talk about it, the men always say like, "Women be crazy." Yeah, yeah. I can never understand what women are thinking. I mean, is that all of them, or is it just the three boys from Two Rivers? Tom says stuff like that, too. Sure. And Tom has lifetimes of experience. So the men's remarks about women, and then just the... I still think that the women are, for the most part, terribly written. Well, the the problem, I think, is that whenever he's writing a group of women, no matter what they should be talking about, they immediately start talking about boys. Mm -hmm. Like, like, I, I, I get the impression that he thinks that's just what women always talk about. Well, something, you know, after after they ask Moraine who she likes, mm-hmm. what boy that she wants to be with, she says, well, I'll tell you, it's not Lan. She looks at Nynaeve, like, yeah. go for it, girl, you know? <laughs> and Nynaeve's like, fuck you. <laughs> it is just a whole bunch of relationship talk. I mean... Yeah, that's, um, that's it. Maybe Egwene, that's why I felt like it was dragging so much. Yeah, Egwene gives some pro tips about courting in the two rivers. She says, like, oh, you know... You could put some flowers in his hair, or or or, or embroider him a, a shirt or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. And then Elaine thinks, you know, maybe I, Elaine has a moment where she says, you know, maybe I should just tell Rand how I feel. She's like, no, nah, that's what that Mayin hussy would do. <laughs> it's like seriously, <laughs> okay. But uh, there is a quote that I wanted to share. Mm-hmm. Um, in truth, I thought you might tell me it was foolish fretting over a thing like this when we had the Black Asha to worry about. That's a quote from Elaine. Yeah. I think kind of sums up the chapter. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Agreed, Elaine. You're on to something there. Yep. That's right. Chapter seven, playing with fire. Icon of the wheel of time. Again, he, I guess he didn't have, I mean, doesn't he literally have a fire uh, icon? Like the fire of Tarvalon? I guess. Yeah, but that's kind of a symbolic flame. A symbolic of like the Aes Sedai, which are like in this chapter. Yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> I, I, you, should, I, you should write a letter. I stand by my, my belief that he just like has clip art that he forgot to replace on these chapters. <laughs> Probably. Or the guy with graphics, no. he just reads the first like sentence. I think okay. the Wheel of Time is when like main characters are introduced or very important things happen. I don't know how that applies to the events of this chapter. Yeah, this chapter. Is that, is, yeah. Is that really the case? Yeah, speaking of, Egwene and Elaine go to see Rand. 
after they just had a conversation about how Egwene is handing off Rand like a person selling a horse. Pretty much, yeah. She's <laughs> like, no, no, I'm done with him. You can have him. But it's okay because we get long descriptions about the clothing they're wearing immediately because yeah. that's the first thing I needed to know. Is it? I, I what didn't they even, were wearing. I didn't even notice that stuff because my brain edits it. <laughs> <laughs> what I thought was interesting is that they talk. They make a point about uh, them borrowing some of these things from uh, Avienda, right? Like from the Isle Woman. Yes. Like, does she travel with jewels and scarves? And think, is that the idea? I think they're war prizes. Oh, oh so they're and I don't think I don't think Egwene knows that. <laughs> oh, yes. that's good. Yeah. Oh, that's actually pretty amazing. So the, <laughs> yeah. so the Aiel are just like hanging out, looting the looting yeah, the right. Stone. That's what they do. Because they should. <laughs> I mean, do they loot? Do we know that? Uh, yeah. Well, they're they're kind of an honorable culture, but when they win, they take things. Okay. I mean, they did they did win at fair square, right? So they're going to see Rand both to, I guess, semi let him know that he's been handed off and to like try and help him learn to man channel. Yeah. Mantle. Mantle, as they say. Mantle. So Uh, there's a whole scene where they're trying to do that. Well, before that, they're they're on their way in, and uh, they mention that. I mean, it's it's a minor thing, but it's kind of funny. They mention that uh, a couple of like Terran high lords have been like thrown out of Rand's place, one physically, and it was oh, yeah. Torian, the guy we met earlier, who <laughs> Robert Jordan seemed to hate on. That's yeah. right. But so whatever politics Torian is doing is not working on Rand. <laughs> yeah, they they said that. He threw him out so hard that he slid across the room and hit a column. Uh-huh. Yeah. And they were betting, like, like they were laying a bet. He can't physically do that, right? Like, I, Apparently he's the... I, that's a great question. I Like, I, I assumed he must have used the one power on him, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it must have. So he's you know, using his power to hurl <laughs> people across the room. Well, no, it's how you, Troublesome. A little that's bit how you stay in power, you that's, know? That's a great point. I mean, do you think Robert Jordan, because it does get so personal, do you think Robert Jordan sees himself as Randall Thor and was just picturing somebody he really hated for Torian? I feel like, yeah, there's a particular kind of person that he's got a real grudge against. Yeah, it's like J.K. Rowling and the character of Dolores Umbridge is based on a woman who she utterly loathes. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, those spoilers. Jeff hasn't gotten there yet. Sure. Uh, yeah, I, I was thinking about this the other day that one of the... I was trying to think, what is what are the themes of these books? Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of them is that your the conditions of your birth don't dictate the quality of your character in yeah. these books, right? That's something that happens all the time. There's a lot of shitty nobles. Yeah, well, I was thinking, there, there's a lot of, there are both good and bad poor people, right? right? And they're both good and bad merchants. Right. But there aren't very many good nobles. Well, Morghese was, right? Yes, Morghese was. She quickly fell into a trap. And th- I think there's a difference between a, being a queen and being the, the courtiers or the nobles. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's got to be... Elaine, I guess. Yeah, well, Elaine, Elaine and Elaine's whole... I guess Morgan's whole family, really. Yeah, right. The Andor, the Andor and Royal House seems to be pretty solid. But they might be the only ones. Yeah, go in and stuff. We've met a lot of shitty nobles. Yeah, like, all the rulership of Kyrian we know are... are well, I mean, they're dead. But before they were dead, they were... They seemed they, like... Yeah, where, where's people. the nobles that are all right? I wonder if there's something there about war, because that's obviously what's coming. War breaking down established social structures. So that you can have these farm boys come and, you know, win great riches. and Yeah, I think yeah. so. This is part of what the Dragon Reborn does. Yeah. They always talk about how he's, how he's going to destroy everything. Mm-hmm. Destroy the ties that bind people together, like Break the, the social structures. And, yeah. So maybe this is like a precursor to that thing. You know, these are the people who are benefiting from the structures right now. Yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe they're all they're all in the position of being an enemy because they're the people who benefit from the way things are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think that his that his portrayal of nobles though is a little one dimensional? That's what I was thinking. They kind of are, you know, because he's actually pretty good at sketching characters quickly, and he's pretty good at having at having a, characters have like a distinct a distinctiveness, you know, mm-hmm. even if they only appear for one or two chapters. Yeah, he's good at putting that together. Except nobles are always jerks. Yeah, and they're much. always the same kind of jerk, mm-hmm. like kind of oblivious, naive, and looking down their nose. Yeah, I mean, like, we have a great tableau of it in that the card game that Matt was playing. Like everyone at that table seemed to be generally pretty shitty people. Yeah, yeah. those of course could be the people that are willing to gamble with Matt. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> but yeah, I, that's that's I think that's true. That's just something I've noticed. So one of the things we learn in this uh, chapter is that. Of course, like Moraine said, Egwene and Elaine cannot help Rand learn to channel. I actually kind of uh, dig this scene, though, the way that yeah. they set it up. Because it's like, it's very experimental. There's like a lot, like, I feel like they're being, like, a little bit 
analytical about how they're using the power. They like try a couple things and, and they like, Hey, do you feel this? Do you see this? It's something that we haven't really gotten to see before. Right? Yeah. That's, that leads into something I'm going to mention when we get to it a little oh. bit. Yeah, first of all, they, uh, they figure out that Rand gets goosebumps when a woman is embracing the source around him. Right. So, Even though he doesn't realize that's what it is at Yeah, first. right. He just feels uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. He can't see it the way that they can, but he can, he can definitely sense it. So they're, they're not completely separate. Yeah. yeah. There is some kind of crossover here. And that's that's news because that was kind of a big deal about how they're all separate all the time. Well, it it, it is directly contrary to what Maureen right. sort of said, you know. Which I guess she just didn't know because they don't truck with no channeling men. That's well, that's 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 what I like so much about this is as much as Maureen claims to know, any knowledge that she could possibly have about how male channeling works is like fifth hand, thousands of years old, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, like, you. I guess you could argue that they may study some of the 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 folks that they, that crop up periodically before they still them or gentle them, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm sure there's not much experimentation that's allowed on that kind of thing. Yeah. So, and, and what could they do if they can't see or sense anything they, if they do? That's a great point, yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, So they get into a little kind of, well, I guess, what would you call it? Not a fight. I called it a slap fight. <laughs> a slap fight, yeah. Yeah. They, they start kind of channeling at each other. Yeah. She In a playful yeah. way, kind of at first. Pinching butts. Well, well like, it escalates rather quickly. Like, Rand, Rand is takes playful. it too far. Yeah. Well, hold on. You think so? Uh, he does, yes. However, I think that she takes it too far first. He, like, he does the pinch thing, which is, like, playful, whatever. Pinches she says, she, butt? Yeah. That's, you know, inappropriate and, like, you know, who knows? I mean, like, in there, yeah. I don't know if that's, like, something that they would think is funny or Maybe, maybe yeah, Emmons Fielder, or just, they, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, well, but then Egwene responds by hitting him with a hundred times the force, is what yeah, she says. Yeah, it physically hurts him. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. he's like, I'm, I'm going to be limping for days, you know? Yeah. Right, yeah. So, like, that seems like a... Like a, a right, so, yeah, she place. totally overreacted. But then he sucks the fire out of the fireplace and lights the whole room on fire and then yeah. melts down the statues on the mantelpiece and weaves them into cloth and then it lifts them up in the air and shields them and paralyzes them. And then... Uh, that's that's much, Then right? makes the furniture dance. Makes the furniture dance. <laughs> yeah. So this quickly becomes kind of like a, a nightmarish scene. Right, yeah. It does. It's like, oh, you think that's funny? Hellscape <laughs> <laughs> opens. Right, yeah. It's like, kind of horrifying. Yeah, they, I guess they all take it too far. These yeah. are teenagers with, with power. It's interesting, too, because we finally, I mean, they've touched on it, but Egwene finally just flat out tells us that she is, I think they say, a hundred times stronger than Moraine. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Or, no, it's not that, but she says, I'm much stronger than Moraine. She'd be whimpering on the floor, insensible if she tried to hold as much side in as I do now. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But of course, Rand is that much more powerful than Egwene is. Yeah. We learn here. Yeah, because she kind of, she, we, we, again, it's something that we don't, we, we don't learn a lot about the mechanics of their magic system in most cases, but she talks about how the more threads that you're weaving, it's, it's like an exponential growth in difficulty. So the fact that he's doing all these things at once yeah. means that he's, you know. Right. Yeah, we learned. That uh, the kind of the metaphor for women using the power is surrendering to it, oh, and God. thereby controlling it. I know. <laughs> yeah, women surrender and men fight. And That's men, the words. For they men, use. it's a struggle. It's a dance on the edge of a knife. <laughs> yeah, they surrender. There's the rosebud opening up, and it says for him, it holds me a river of molten metal, an ocean of fire. I must fight it to make it do what I want. Fight it to keep from being eaten up. It's mm-hmm. it's weird how perfect of a metaphor Jordan created for his like of weird ideas of masculinity and femininity, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, the power of a woman is submitting, but not uh, really. I think they're yeah, they're distinctive ideas. I don't think they're very weird, though. I think a lot of people think this way. Yeah, I suppose you're right. It's Well, it, it's it's definitely Jordan's perception of of a woman's power versus a man's power. Like, right. I, 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 iconified? I don't know how you want to say that, but... Uh, yeah, personified? Metaphorized? Metaphor, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Epitomized? Epitomized. Sure, I like that. No, that's not right. No. But it sounds smart. Yeah. Yeah. It's really smart. <laughs> Synecdoche. <word>. Menomenon. <laughs> Menomena? Phenomena? But either way, yeah, this 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 juxtaposition of these two different ways of approaching the power that they 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 say they they explain 
work in a very specific way is, is clearly like mm-hmm. man versus woman. Women be like this. Right. And I'm, I'm certain that he didn't see, because he says it explicitly, he didn't see one of them as better than the other. But it's hard to look at this uh, with a modern eye. Yeah, it's true. And not be a little a little grossed out. So they talk about how one of the things Rand does is he he sucks in the fire from the fireplace and then puts it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the stones. Of, yeah. Yeah, and this really this is like this is actually the thing in the scene that convinces Egwene that she can't t- teach him anything. That what they do is totally different, because she says if a woman does that, she'd just be fried. Like even even Elaine took in the fire from a, a candle and like it burned her whole arm. Mm-hmm. And I think I actually, we did see that scene, right? That's, I think that's actually a scene we saw in the previous book. Yeah, I don't remember that. Yeah, but it's when they're, I think it's one of the first scenes when they're learning in the tower is, is they're, they're asked to extinguish a candle flame and she like burns her arm or something. Oh I think yeah. Something like that. So that's interesting to me for a couple reasons. One, because it indicates maybe that it's not just a power level thing. That Maybe the men and women's magic actually does work different. Mm-hmm. Like they're not just using the same, you know, a different source to do the same spells, but they've got a completely different set of spells available to them. But also, that's this is something that's been kicking around in my mind since that that magic fight that Rand had with Balzaman slash Ishmael at the end of the last book, where Balzaman like he he sucked all the air out of the room and created what we would call a vacuum, and then Rand fixed it with his instant powers. Right. So this is like this is. A modern conception of how physics works, right? Conservation of energy is what this is. Yeah. The the energy from a, a candle flame, if you applied that as heat to your body, would be would be very like a lot of heat, you know, because there's mm-hmm. a certain number of BTUs of heat in a candle flame. And these people don't know that. Maybe nobody in this world knows that. But the magic still obeys these rules. That's very interesting. Yeah, and and they both have to they both have to abide by those rule those rules when they're dealing with that problem. They, I mean. You know, they, they mentioned that for 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 a woman, you know, water and, and air are easy ways to deal with it. But mm-hmm. Rand still has to put the flame heat. The, yeah, he has to put it somewhere. Yeah, he still has to put it in the fireplace stones. He's just like, oh, they, they won't care if I put a little fire there because it's a fireplace. <laughs> yeah, right. So that's that's that makes me wonder how much how much of what we would consider actual thermodynamics of the world are obtained here in this fantasy world. How much don't? Because clearly the channeling is is moving energy around mm-hmm. in maybe an entropy-free manner. I don't know, but Robert Jordan has thought about this. Yeah, you know this yeah. this is taking place in most fantasy novels. Don't go into this at all because mm-hmm. they 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 talk about the symbols like you know dudes with swords and and armies and orcs or whatever. Yeah, and they don't talk about how the mechanics the the physical mechanics of the world work. Well, it's interesting because this magic is based on the elements. Even though mm-hmm. the fifth element is not a real one, spirit, whatever Love. that is. Oh, right, yeah, spirit. Uh, Mila Jovovich, actually. <laughs> yeah, Mila Jovovich. Yeah, <laughs> in white spandex. Right. Um, so it, there is that that physical worldly connection. You know what? Uh, other uh, place we see the conservation of energy in their magic is healing. That's right. And every oh, time yeah. they talk about healing, uh, it either weakens the person who's doing it, or the or or the person who is being healed has to consume a huge amount of food to. Right. To recoup the energy, essentially. Which, which we moderns would think of as being calories, right? They, yeah. Their body is expended a huge amount of calories. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So that they, 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 they show that the energy does have to be, come from somewhere. It's just not, you know, created out of nothing. Yeah. So that's really cool. I, I think that that shows how much thought Robert Jordan has put into this. Yeah. I, I, actually, uh, I actually like all of this stuff that they're doing because they tell us a lot about the nuts and bolts of this system that we... That mostly is very mystical that we don't really get a lot of uh, exposure to, but but it, like you said, it it shows that he's really thought about how this works. Yeah, and this is uh, this is what you were saying earlier. What they're doing here when they're experimenting with it is sort of like the proto scientific method. Yeah, they're they're trying things out. They're constructing hypotheses, although not with those words. Right, and uh, that's just something that doesn't come up in fantasy literature basically ever. Yeah, I actually, I, I love that they were doing that because it's like, these are things that I wanted to know. It's like, what is going to happen when they do this? I don't mm-hmm. know. You know, I want to see. Mm-hmm. And I guess it would... And what happens is Rand goes crazy and makes the tables dance. Right, well, you know, I mean, it's <laughs> not, the, not the desired effect, but at least they got to, you know, learn what these things feel like or don't feel like, as the case may be. Yeah. So, in other news, uh, Egwene and Rand officially stopped going steady. Which is, I'm sure, what we were all waiting to. <laughs> I guess hear this breakup about. scene is supposed to be funny, but it's like it's just kind of awkward. I guess I don't know. 
Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you don't like me? Oh, I don't like you either. Yay. And then Egwene's <laughs> like, oh, he's putting on such a brave face for me or something like that. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's what like, I got. He's a little eye rolly, you know? Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I underlined that same sentence he just he just said and wrote eye roll next to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, he's being so brave. Oh, he must be hurting so much inside. Oh, yeah. Yes. I'm sure he's devoted a lot of time thinking about this in his you know, last year of becoming the evil messiah and going insane and learning that he only has a few years to live or whatever. Yeah. This is this is what he's been conquering countries and such. Yeah. I mean, on the other hand though, it's <clears throat> just one more severance, perhaps the biggest one, of his ties to his previous life. It's true. That is an interesting it's, point. Uh, yeah. This, Randall Thor, the, yeah. the farm boy. This mm-hmm. could be the last real connection he has with Emmons Field. Because I mean like he and he and Matt and Rand don't seem to be spending much time together anymore. Yeah. I wonder how much thought he actually devotes to what they're up to right now. <laughs> Probably not a lot. Yeah. He's got High Lords to deal with. High Lords to throw around. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. Th- then as Egwene is walking away, she thinks, oh, good. Now Elaine can take this lost puppy into her bosom or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Right? I mean, he may be focusing on his career right now. Yeah, that's, that's my advice. <laughs> well, it could have gone a lot worse, you know. I'm glad that they didn't drag this Egwene Rand stuff out much longer because, mm-hmm. as we could see in this very chapter, they're not great for each other. <laughs> no, they definitely aren't. Yeah, when they when they hang out, like things catch on fire and furniture capers around the room in a demonic manner. <laughs> so, so that's it for this episode. Next time we're going to cover chapters eight through twelve of the Shadow Rising. I am Jeff Lake. That's at Jeff underscore Lake on Twitter. I'm Alice Sullivan. That's at Alice M. Sullivan. I'm Mike Sparkman. No, I don't have one of those. <laughs> On Twitter. On Twitter. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please drop us a line at hello at thedragonreread.com. Please share us with anybody you think will like us. Please give us good reviews wherever you got this. Please give us your dollars on Patreon. And please like us in real life. We're very likable. <laughs> Until next time. The, the light, light illumine you. you.